Hey, I'm Dawn Scott Damon, your freedom coach, and I'm fiercely passionate about helping you become an empowered woman. As a life coach, author, pastor, emotional and spiritual wellness advocate, I'm here to help you realize your true dreams, craft your master plan, and coach you to fulfill it with ferocious execution. As a survivor of childhood trauma, I know what it takes to overcome obstacles, fears, and insecurities, and I'm here to help you do the same. But I don't do it alone. I bring the sisterhood on to share their journey in this mad voyage called life so that you can glean from the boldest, bravest, and grittiest adventurous who are living out their dreams. Join us. Today's show is sure to change your life. So stay tuned because it's... Join the Freedom Girls Sisterhood with your Freedom Coach, John Scott Damon. Radio. It's time to join Freedom Girls Sisterhood with your Freedom Coach, Don Scott Damon. Hey, well, welcome everybody. This is your Freedom Coach, Don Scott Damon. I'm so excited to be with you again today. But as always, you know, I'm not alone. I got the Sisterhood with me. Hey, 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 hey. How are you doing, Don? I'm doing good, sister. How you doing? <laughs> well, it's actually, it was such a beautiful day this morning, huh? Yes. Sun was shining. It was so beautiful. It's a little challenging right now, looking outside, but, yes. you know, um, it's Monday. It's a busy day. It's a good day. There you go. Well, let's get into our, our show today. We got an amazing guest with us. I'm so excited to introduce to our listening audience, Sarah Fravel. And Sarah, she's got a story to share. She's currently living in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, but she and her husband, David, have been married for 27 years. That's like a whole boatload of time. And wow, in okay. two years, yep, they've had two children together. They have uh, a boy, DJ, and a girl, Christine. And she'll fill you in more about that in just a moment. But anyways, she serves at her church in the prayer team and the creative arts team. And she's discipleship leader and a mentor for emerging adults. But really, she and her husband, their heart, they're church planters. And they're actually right before COVID-19 hit and everybody got put on lockdown. They had resigned their positions. They're heading to New York City, New York, to be church planters. And uh, Sarah herself is going to be the lead pastor. And so we're going to talk awesome. to her about her experience and about the interruption of her life and the disruption that it's bringing to her. But first, <laughs> let's give a big sisterhood welcome to Sarah. Woo-hoo, Sarah, thank you so much. Yeah, I'm excited to be here. Thank you guys for having me. I'm yep. looking forward to this conversation. Yeah, us too, absolutely. So Sarah, you and I are on a group phone call in, in a mastermind group, if you will, of okay. women who are lead pastors. And we're kind of a rare bird. And it's good just to be together and to hear from each other. But when we were on that call, you you were sharing some things that are happening in your life. And we're going to get to that in a moment. I want the listeners to hear your story. But first of all, tell us a little bit about you. Yeah, well, you know, 27 years of marriage is a big deal. I, You know, I don't really think it's a big deal. But when I look around the landscape today, it is a big deal. There's not a lot of people that have made it to 27 years of marriage. 
And that's part of our story. At year 19, it was rocky. I thought year 19 was, you know, oh, wow, 19, big deal. Life is pretty boring at year 19. We lived in Northern California at the time in the East Bay. And I just kind of thought, you know, life is kind of, eh. life is just sort of like this at this time in life. Uh, our kids were not as old as they are now then, obviously, and neither were we. And we had been moving around the country for most of our life. We rarely lived anywhere longer than about three years. And then my husband's job would, would move us because that's what we were doing. We were chasing a career. Um, at one point in one church that we attended in one of those moves, I remember reading a book called When God Interrupts. And I had seen it. This church had a lovely church library. I love those churches that have church libraries. And I remember seeing it on the shelf in that church going, huh, that's interesting. And then it got moved to a book cart where the books were for sale for a dollar or whatever. And I bought that book and I, it was earth shattering to me. I was like, God interrupts. Like, what is that? No, life is perfect. You have 2.5 children and you live in this perfect home and you know, everything is perfect. And that's kind of the life that I lived. Um, I didn't know how prophetic that book when God interrupts would be for me. Um, yes. But I read that book understanding that, you know, life isn't perfect and I'm blessed that my life is perfect. How little I knew year 19 hits us in the Bay area. And we're, we think that we're preparing to move to Boston for my husband's career. Uh, but there were things hiding in our marriage that I didn't know. And that was when I really needed to tap into what does it mean to not live this perfect life that I thought that we had. And I didn't know how to lament. There were days that I just thought things were, oh, this is just how it is. You just kind of go through the motions and you just live this life where everything looks great on the outside. And when you close the door at night, things might fall apart or they might not. You just don't really know. You just kind of go through the motions. Um, and I began to wonder, is this really how life really is? Um, and I remember I was a deacon in our church at that time. It was a different denomination. And the deacon pastor said, you know, those people who have it all together on the outside and look really great. Those are the ones you need to worry about. And I was like, is she talking about me? Surely not. Cause I didn't really know at that time what was going on. My husband had a hidden addiction that I didn't know about. We were leading a group of people in, through a book about the power of a whisper and how to hear God's voice. And I was like, I think we're praying about that, where, whether we are supposed to move or not to Boston. And God woke me up in the middle of the night and said, you need to go find your husband. I was like, what? I, I need to go find my husband. Like, what do you mean? He's in the house. Like, what are you talking about? Mm -hmm. And okay, sure. I'll go find my husband. What, what are you talking about? So as I went to go find my husband, I found him in the middle of his addiction. Mm -hmm. And then the walls began to crumble. And then the work really began about what does this mean to suddenly find out this life that you thought you lived wasn't the life that you really had. And I'm so thankful for God's interruption in our life at that point, because we were able to begin to get counseling that we'd never done before as a married couple. Uh, to really address the things that we didn't know that we had troubles with. And so it was at that point that the two of us began to walk together through the journey of counseling, through the journey of lamenting, 
Uh, what are the things that we didn't know that we had lost? How do we address those things together? And so that was the beginning of my journey with lament. Um, I remember sitting on the couch one day, just looking at my husband and just sobbing, like, what have we done? What have we lost? Where has this come from? Why is this a thing? What is this even? Um, and that was, that was the beginning of the tip of the iceberg of, of lament. Um, and, and really it was, still kind of, I, I kind of laugh now because it was, I'm so naive still at that point. Like, I think I know all this about lament. Like, I really don't know. And then fast forward to, um, at that point, we were supposed to move. But I, I said to my husband, we're not moving until we figure this out. Like, what is God doing here? What, what is this about? And so we didn't move for a year. We spent a year hunkered down, really leaning into counseling and beginning the healing journey. And in that year of, of learning and, and beginning to heal, we did learn a little bit about lament, not a lot. But then we did move, and we moved to South Dakota of all places. And then the I, lament started. And then the lament really started because, I mean, like, I'm, I, I love South Dakota now, and I really do apologize for what I'm about to say, but it was a land of barren, desolate winter. Like, I've never experienced, like, we moved here from California, people. I've, I've not experienced winter ever like this. And I wonder, <laughs> I really imagine. right? Like what is God doing this? You've got to be kidding me. Um, but in that season, I heard a woman talk about, uh, she had written a book, which I will tell you the name of because I recommend it to everyone. It's called no more faking fine by Esther fleece. Oh. It's, it's still out there. It's pretty recent. No more faking fine. And I heard her on the radio, some, you know, podcast similar to this even. And she was talking about her perfect Christian life. Zondervan published the book. And I'm like, a Christian publisher published a book about this? Oh. It, and she talked about how she just cried out to the Lord about how this is not what I expected. This is not like, what are you talking about? And I had just happened to be reading through the Psalms for the second time in my life. Only this time when I was reading through the Psalms, I would rewrite them in my own words. Like, what? I, I so relate to these Psalms. Like, this is, I could have written this, right? Yeah, right. I could have written the Psalms. <laughs> That's a joke. But they're so full of human emotion. And she talked about how that's what lament is. And, and then the light bulb turns on. I'm like, oh, okay, so, that's what lament is. So that's it. what it's all about. So yeah. let me jump in here just for a moment because you've said so many things and we keep it real here on the sisterhood because what comes from the heart touches the heart. And so I want to make sure, you know, there are many women that are listening to this that they've shared that experience that they thought that they had a life that they knew and they've discovered that the one that they love and trust is yeah. an addiction. There yeah. are many people who don't understand the nature of addiction. And so I'm sure you had to learn all of that to know this is, it is personal to you and you feel it, but it isn't really about you. It is mm -hmm. about an addiction and it's about yeah. an empty place and, and a broken place within your husband. I was married for 28 years. I know what that feels like. And I didn't, I didn't go on to have the happy ending. Well, I have an amazing ending now, but not with that first marriage. So I felt that sting and that pain and that betrayal. And it, in, so if we haven't learned how to lament or if we haven't learned what it means, because you, 
you got your toes wet and then you began to understand. Let's, let's talk about lament um, again, because you said uh, that God began to interrupt your perfect life that you thought was so perfect. Yeah. And we're not always thankful for those interruptions when they happen. We're thankful later when we look back. I'm so thankful for the massive interruption that I experienced. Gut-wrenching, painful, horrific, yep. on the floor, curled up in the fetal position, horrific. Um, and by the way, I live in Grand Rapids, Michigan, where it's snow all the time. It's hard to be in the winter when you're in the winter. And um, that's no joke. It's very depressing. Talk to yep. us about what is lament? What do you mean when you say lament? Define that for us. And why, why is it important that we have it in our life? Yeah. So lament is different from complaining. Um, they're two different things. And at first you could think that they're the same. Oh, that just means complain about something or get it off your chest. No, it's not the same thing. My favorite definition comes from Ruth Haley Barton. Um, lament is when you take all of the the sadness, the grief, the, the broken, the heartbreak, all of those things that you thought you knew, all of those things that hurt, all of that stuff, and you take it to God and you approach God with it. She says, her definition is Ruth Haley Barton, prayers of lament are ways to approach God with the realities of sorrow, frustration, and angst listen to this, that consume and distract. Because when you take those things that are consuming you and distracting you, then you don't have God at the center. Yes. Now that's hard because God is supposed to be at the center, right? And for me personally, when I was stuck in the place of bitterness, frankly, um, That's a distraction from the enemy. Children of God are not given bitterness, right? They're given joy and peace. Um, Bitterness is from the enemy. And that's a distraction that began to consume me so that I I can't focus on God. So if I don't know how to lament then I can't get that out of me, right? And, and the enemy doesn't want me to get it out of me. He wants me to keep it in there so that I turn into this gross, nasty-looking, gnarled, bitter root, right? Can you right. see the picture even on the radio or on the podcast? Yeah, we can see it. So lament is the spiritual posture before the Lord of getting out, not, not our complaints, but sorrow, grief, emotions. Yeah. How do we get it out? What are, I mean, maybe you're going to get to that, but how do we do that? Is that crying? Is it journaling? Is it singing? How do we do that? Crying. In fact, there's been research that says that when we cry, um, endorphins and all those good things that happen are released. So that's definitely a part of it. Um, For me, it was reading scripture and, okay, I'm going to read it and I'm going to think about how would I if I could say that to God, what would my words be? If I can't say that to God, let scripture say it for me. Um, I was reading a book at the same time, right? Yeah. I was reading a book at the same time by Tim Keller, um, his book about prayer. And he talks about two Psalms in particular, Psalm 44 and Psalm 88. And he calls them the dark night of the soul Psalms. And if you read those two, they are, 
like, so, like they don't end with hope. They don't end with yet. I will praise the Lord or, but there is joy. No, they don't end with that. They are like, you have abandoned me. You have left me there. My darkest darkness is my best friend is basically what Psalm 88 ends with. Um, bitterness and despair are my companions. Mm, yeah. The end. You're like, hello, what? This is in the Bible. Are you kidding me right now? Wait, wait no. And they lived happily ever after. Nothing like that. I got to, I got to, mm. I got to bring you back to something just for a moment because it's too important. And Wanda, I want you to jump in on this one too, because you said that when we cry, we release endorphins and the all of the chemicals the even the, the help us to make us feel good and have this sense of well-being very yeah. similar to laughter but often when you're in trauma or you're grieving or you've had the interruptions of life you're numb and you're not getting the benefit of either laughter or crying ladies are you hearing the importance of going ahead and crying just leave it right there. But like, okay, so, you know, Sarah going back to it. So I love having uh, the sisterhood on because we're, we're not trying to say we're perfect. We're in process. We're in journey. And Wanda's been in an amazing journey this last five years. So I like to hear from her. But so Psalm 88, just kind of like, you know, when you put on that, the brakes of your car real fast and the airbags go out and you're just like, Urgh. I mean, that's it. No yeah. easy drive into the serene. Let's put it in park. It's just a, that's it, a crash and burn ending. Where are you mm -hmm. got? Mm -hmm. yep. Yeah. Yep. Is he getting benefit from lamenting? Are, don't we like to wrap it up into a nice tidy wrapping with the bow and yet will I praise you? We turn it around so fast, don't we? Our, our yeah. culture? As, mm -hmm. Especially as pastors, I think we are, it's a bad habit, frankly. And I think that it is a habit. We think that that's our job. A great article that's just currently out by N.T. Wright in uh, Time magazine is that, you know, the church doesn't have an answer for what's happening right now in COVID. Like what we don't have an answer. There is no answer. And when we try to answer that, we do a disservice to people. Uh, it, we don't, there's no answer. There is not an answer. And like Psalm 88 is a perfect mm -hmm. anecdote for that. Why do we try to answer? The best thing that we can do is just sit and be in it. And I think like, like one of my favorite things to say is like, just to reflect on the power of a great question. Mm -hmm. are, instead of asking people, how are you? Could you say, are you okay? Mm -hmm. And just sit in that. If we're still thinking about, you know, crying or tears or, or, or the limit idea, what does it feel like to enter into that with someone? I remember a particular story with my daughter. I homeschooled both of our kids all the way from grade school through high school. And there was one particular season with my daughter in junior high that it was just hard. And I remember in a counseling session with my own counselor where my counselor said, well, what would it look like for you to just, when she's having a frustrating day and crying about math, could you just sit with her in that? And I was like, oh my Lord, have mercy. No, I'm not going to just sit in the math. No. And then I thought, hold on, there's a lesson in this for me. What would it look like to just sit with her in that? 
and it was ringing with the idea of lament. What would it look like to just sit with her in that? And I thought of how many times I'd like to rewrite the book of Job and his stupid friends who are like, blah, 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 blah. No, just sit. They started out well, right? They sat in the beginning, but then they had to fill it all in. And that's the point of N.T. Wright's article in Time. There is no answer. Just sit inject john yeah interject right here um i was just speaking with a friend um yesterday as we were walking and uh about this exact thing um that there's really not you know when you're in a particular place you don't want to talk to people about it mostly because especially pardon me in my experience christians especially we really get uncomfortable with the silences and we feel like we have to like fill the silence. Like if God isn't going to fill that silence and like the uncomfortableness of not knowing what to say, you know, so we try And so what automatically happens is they start spouting scriptures and, you know, blah, blah, blah. And you're like, of course I believe those things are true, but right now you are not helping me. Right. And instead of just sitting in the silence and being uncomfortable with the silence, uh, because sometimes we cannot fill that place in that space in time nobody can and so uh instead though my experience has been that it comes out in things that end up shaming the other person because Amen. they start spouting scriptures and the shooting all over you and you know should this and you should this and blah blah and it doesn't help right it, for me it just pushes me back and i'm like okay sure and i'll never talk to that person again absolutely you know, sometimes I think too, when I'm lamenting and I'm, I'm doing it communally, like draw, allowing someone to come into that place with me, um, what I've discovered is that not everybody can handle our lament. They, it shines a light on their own vulnerability, their own frailty, and it, it actually starts to penetrate their facade that they have to keep their own self from feeling so they're not comfortable in the stillness that's why they fill it up with words because they don't they don't know how to do this work so when we're lamenting if we do bring someone into it they have to be a a trusted confidant right you can really handle the weight of that deep grief or that sorrow or that burden that there is no ending for it it may be an ongoing lament Mm -hmm. Because yes. we, yes. we want to end the lament so quickly, right? I, there, I lamented. That was a 36. Yes, right. I'm done. Yeah. Move on. Yeah. 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 It, and I think that's an uncomfortable reality of, of lament and an uncomfortable reality of being a person that you've got to understand, figure out, learn, discern who are your safe people and how do you know when to share or when not to share. And I think that's yes. one thing that, um, I feel like probably a lot of people are learning about themselves in this time of self quarantine or, or enforced quarantine. Like you're, you're needing to learn that right now. How do you know who your safe people are? Are you learning that about your own self? Like you've got to be able to learn to listen to yourself. Like, when do I know how much to share? What does that feel like? Because yeah, culture says, Oh, just tell me a little bit and move on. But if you can't, know your own story your own sense of grief then then you aren't going to know how to how much to share when to share and you aren't going to know if you're a safe person does that make sense yeah makes total sense Mm -hmm. i love how you're saying that and i I love the thought is i'm 
doing this podcast with you right now, I'm overlooking the waters of the lake that we live on. They're very still right now. And I think about how beautiful the still water looks and it feels like it's inviting me, it's drawing me. And I believe that that stillness before the Lord is an invitation to go deeper with God. That mm -hmm. grief place when if we'll, if we'll be still, like the Psalms, you said, you talked about the Psalms, one third of the Psalms are all laments. And there are these poetic words called Selah, right? Mm -hmm. All the Psalms, it just means divine pause. And in that moment of divine pause or in that moment of stillness, can you feel the wooing of the Holy Spirit? Isn't it an invitation from God to go deeper into the heart of God, deeper into intimacy with God, to say, you don't have the answers. Quite frankly, you don't even have the right questions. Yeah. When the answers, just be still. And when we're still, I've experienced that things that I didn't even know were in my heart, I didn't even know to complain about them or to be sorrowful. I could feel sorrow, but I didn't even have vocabulary that things will begin to bubble up from me. Yeah, that's great. Absolutely. Is it an invitation? Is that how you feel about it too? Have you found a deeper place with God through lament? Oh, absolutely. Yes. And that the invitation, that's the key word. Um, God is not a God of chaos. He is not a God of confusion and he doesn't invite us into something that is harmful. He doesn't invite us into something that is going to be bad for us. And I think people have an idea that lament would be bad because it will dredge up things that are uncomfortable and, and you know, I don't want to think about that. Well, yes, it is uncomfortable. And yes, you might not want to think about it, but it is like, um, sledging off the ick layer of the pond underneath that you can see the fish that are swimming and the other layers of the pond that are beautiful to look at but you do have to get the sludge out of the way and that is the invitation that god is inviting you into and it does take stillness and it does take time and i i do think that in our culture pre-covid we've been so busy and so in a turmoil of our own making that we haven't heard the invitation to be still and to sit. Um, and lament is a thing that is only an invitation in the stillness. You are not invited into lament when you're going 25,000 miles an hour because you won't catch it. You won't get the, the reward from that. You've got to be still. Um, in the interruption, it's always like, I always visualize a spinning wheel and like God just puts his finger in it, the spokes. And you know what happens? It immediately stops and things fall off the bike. <laughs> that's what happens. That's what happens. And, and that's really what the invitation is. Can you, can you do it? Will you sit? Will you be still? Um, God's not going to make you do it. Um, the invitation is an invitation. It's not um, house arrest. Now, we might need to be under house arrest to accept the invitation today. You finally get there. I love that's beautiful. I have not thought about lament in the fact that it's something that God initiates. I thought it was something that maybe, and I know it's a both and, but I've initiated lament before, but I haven't thought about God saying, You got a whole lot of lament there, and I'm waiting for you to bring it, but you're not. You're keeping yourself busy and you're distracting yourself so that you don't feel what you're feeling. 
And in the meantime, we're, we're <clears throat> struggling with depression and irritation and, and our bodies will begin to carry that lament. It'll begin to express itself through our physical body. That's mm -hmm. a, um, a really beautiful thing. And I'm not hearing you say then that lamenting is a lack of faith. Absolutely not. No, absolutely not. I don't we're believe that, to think that at all. Maybe we're tempted to think that. What would you say to the person who thinks, well, I don't want to lament because I'm, sh I'm not showing faith? I, I never would think that. And maybe it's because I've read so much scripture that is full of lament that I wouldn't go there. I would never say that to anyone. Um, every prophet who has ever spoken has been full of lament and doubt um, because you, you kind of can't have one without the other. Because when you live in our culture particularly, and, and here I'm saying the prophets at the same time, they didn't live in our culture, right? But when we live in, in the culture that we live in, where we're shown all the shiny and sold all the shiny and we buy all the shiny because we don't want to see the not shiny. We're tempted to think that when, when we're out of whack, when we're sad, when we're confused, when we are not sure that something is wrong with us. And that's absolutely not the case. Um, when we're in that place, that's the place I always like to say to people, like if something is a little off, that's an invitation to pause and, and just say, wait a minute, I need to, I need to pause here. It's not necessarily the beginning of lament, but it's definitely an opportunity to ask yourself, is this of God? Is this interruption an invitation from God? Mm -hmm. um, is this a place where I need to just slow down a minute and take a pause? You got to say that again. Okay. I, is this interruption an invitation from God? Yeah. To enter into whatever it is, a, a stillness with him, a fellowship moment with the Holy Spirit where he either is calling you into lament or stillness, or he wants to speak a word. Is this interruption an invitation from God? As our time wraps up here, I also want to draw our attention maybe to the other side of it. And that could be that not all lament ends like Psalm 88. Sometimes lament does bring us through to a breakthrough. It does bring us back to a place of reminding, yet will I praise you, God. Even if there's no grain in the barn and there's no grapes on the vine and there's no cattle, I'm still going to praise you. There's a place for that in lament as well. Isn't that maybe a final addition to our lament or a part of the process? Oh, yeah, I think so. In fact, I know so because I think it's, you know, when you do that lament like that, it is the assurance that you've been heard. It's the assurance that now I am not carrying this anymore. It is, I've given it to God. It is the thing that is no, I, I don't, I'm not bogged down by it anymore. It belongs to God. He can have it. His shoulders are far bigger than mine. His hands are way bigger than mine. That is why Jesus died. He died for that, to carry it. And when I continue to lug it around, it's as though I have forgotten who my Savior is, as though I think I can do that, which I, I can't. I, I'm not made for that. And that's why Jesus came. He came to take that from me. And when I pretend that I can do that all myself, I might as well have said, I don't need you, Jesus. I, I got this. I, I, and I, I love that word picture um, when 
you finally get that burden off. Maybe you think of it as you're drowning and you're in that water and you finally splash through to the surface and you go, whew. You know, uh, when you when you lament and you release, it's it's birthing something. It does often lead to that place of rejoicing and the breakthrough and the the hope that mm-hmm. says God's got this. I'm still burdened. I'm burdened for America right now, as we all are. I think I'm burdened that, for the division of our country. I, I feel like we have like this is maybe two months of confinement for some people in some parts of the country and I feel like if we haven't learned lament now is the time because I feel like I I don't know I feel burdened maybe because I've been thinking about this a lot more in the last couple days to get ready to to have conversation with you but I think it's about to crack I think people are about to realize I can't keep carrying this crap around by myself anymore I've got to do something with this and if we don't know how to lament, I, you, you're, I mean, I can just, you're like, how much more can I carry, right? Like, you can't, you cannot, you are not made for this. This is what the Trinity is about. It's not for you. It is for Christ to take from you, but he's not going to take it unless you invite him into it from the very invitation that he gave to you. Yes. All you have to do is say, yes, I don't, I don't want it. I accept your invitation. Please, Christ, you take it. Yes. Um, but it's, you've got to accept that invitation first and, and now's the time. Mm-hmm. And I just feel it in my heart that like, there's so many people who are just trying to do it all their own right now. And it isn't going to last much longer before mm-hmm. there's a, like the balloon's going to explode. Mm-hmm. I, I, you just can't keep carrying all of the what has COVID done to you? What are you, what have you lost? Make a list. What are you mad about? What do you wish that you still had that you don't? What are you sad that you can't participate with anymore? What are you tired of doing? Just make a list Yes. and take it to the Lord and say, Lord, I am done with this. I cannot do it by myself any longer. Yeah. Now, what are you going to do about it? Now, I'm not saying he's going to, you know, give you a miracle and say, well, tomorrow the country is open and we're all free. But yeah. you can be free of that burden well, if you would tell him what's on your heart. He already knows. Right. He already knows. He he's already not- knows. But he wants to carry that burden for you. That is what lament is. Beautiful. Beautifully said. Thank you so very much. It's just awesome. And again, for anyone listening, just to know that this is your invitation of, yes, from God through us to you to think about it. And as we mentioned a moment ago, there's many ways to lament your eternal God. He was there in your when you were created in your mother's womb. He knows about you. He knows your personality. He knows what number you are on the Enneagram. He knows how you feel. He knows how you think better than you know yourself. You don't even know it. I invite you to get a journal and journal. Get past the first two pages where you're going to write the fluff and you're going to write the scriptures and you're going to rewrite and then just sit there with a pen and let something come out that you would be amazed You say, I didn't know that was down in my well. I did not know that I was harboring those feelings and thinking those thoughts. So we encourage you and invite you into that lament. Sarah, if people want to find you, how can they reach you? Well, you can go to our website, which is homenewyork.org. That's a great way to see what we're up to. 
And then you can find me on Facebook. You can find me on Instagram. I'm Seminary Mama on Instagram. I'm there more often than I am on Facebook. Uh, but I'm on Facebook too, Sarah Fravel on Facebook. Wonderful. Great, great to have you. Wanda, how can people find me and you? You are at DawnScottDamon.com and at FreedomGirlSisterhood.com. You can find me at PTSDPerspectives.org. And also you can find Dawn at TribesChurch.tv. So we are all findable. You can, yes. you can look <laughs> any of the three of us. So it was great to have everybody on today. And uh, I just want to close in prayer. And any last thoughts? Sarah, you're going to change the world. What's the number one thing you want to tell people? The number one thing I want to tell people is there are no mistakes, only creative opportunities. Just slow down. Slow down. Wonderful. Thank you, Jesus. So, Lord, thank you for this amazing invitation from you. God, thank you that you can handle our lament. Not only do you handle it, you long for it. You invite it. You entreat us to release it. Thank you for that, Jesus. And so, God, now I pray this has been stimulating, encouraging, and a catalyst for others to release what's really going on inside of their heart and to draw near to you. We give you thanks and praise. Amen. 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 Thanks for having me. Thank you for being here.